Acts 11, 1 through 4 for our communion meditation. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for this continued opportunity to draw close to you, to receive your grace, to have our thirst be satisfied, have our hunger be met only in Christ Jesus, the living word. May we now continue to feast on him in his written word. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Acts 11 is a passage that I referenced last week in our Great Commission workshop. It came to mind this past Friday when I was downtown with my son Isaac and with Bill and with Josiah and his friends. In this chapter, Peter defended his practice against those who questioned him, and he did so by recounting what had just happened, what it was that he had seen and heard and known from God that affected his actions. Uh, It's very simple, really, and I hope that we will see that this giving of Peter's testimony is not complex. It's not that difficult. It's something we all can do in our own individual ways. So uh, perhaps you had an opportunity to look at the uh, resources I posted after last Sunday, or you were here last Sunday for that workshop. But either way, let us see in this text how it is that Peter bears testimony to what God is doing, because that is the reason for what we do, right? We don't come up with things of our own. We do what God instructs us to do. So I want to focus just on the fourth verse. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, and we're going to take it basically uh, word by word here briefly. The first word there, but, uh, technically this could be translated either and or then. It's just a conjunction moving from one sentence, one clause to the other. Uh, Most translations have it as but, which in English creates the idea of contrast. So in verse 3, those of the circumcision contended, And so it states what they were contending, and uh, that was two I read, then three, it states what they were contending, and then in verse four, that contrast, Peter explained, which gives the impression that contending and explaining are different things, as if the contending is wrong and the explaining is good. Those of you with uh, sharp attention to the English Bible probably have two verses pop to mind which speak of us being commanded to contend, uh, both in Jude, uh, Jude 3 and Jude 9. Uh, We're supposed to contend earnestly for the faith that was delivered once for all to the saints, right? That's a good thing, to contend in that manner. And then in verse 9, Michael the archangel contended with Moses, uh, sorry, contended with the devil about Moses' body. Those are different Greek words translated both into the same English word. One of those Greek words is the same here as in Acts 11. So contention is not inherently wrong who's contending, why they're contending, how they're contending, that makes a critical difference. So I might even contend with you (laughs) that it is okay for this to be translated rather than a but, but as an and. It's merely Peter responding, right? One party is asserting this, he is giving a reply. So don't get too hung up, especially when we come to the end of the story here in verse 18. Don't get too hung up on this perceived conflict and antagonism. I think oftentimes when we're going out to bear witness, to evangelize, we think, oh, it's going to be tense. This is going to be difficult. I'm going to be coming against somebody. I don't, I'm, I'm not a conflict person. How am I going to do this? Well, hopefully it doesn't get into that, and it doesn't have to. Uh, we are merely answering. 
And that is what Peter is doing here. Or, to be strict on the wording, he is explaining. But actually, I get ahead of myself. So once we move to the and or the but, next is Peter. Seems obvious, right? This is a story about Peter. It's obvious that Peter would be the one who explained. But let's not skip over this. Uh, there's definitely times when you're in an evangelistic discussion, and it's a purpose in going two by two, where you're not the one who answers. Your buddy, your wingman next to you is the one who answers. Maybe somebody says a statement, you're gathering your thoughts, gives you time, while the other fellow steps in and answers. But generally speaking, somebody asks you a question, makes a statement, it's your opportunity to reply. So it makes perfect sense. They're saying something wrong about what Peter's doing. It makes sense that Peter would reply. And it's a good thing to do so. It's a good thing to seize that opportunity, not to just let it hang there, not to ignore it, not to punt, though sometimes that's helpful when you've got somebody to punt too. But it is an opportunity. I know sometimes uh, I myself have thought, you know, I don't want to say something because what if they actually answer back? And the, the conversation just gets deeper and more complex. But here, uh, in this instance, it appears that Peter hadn't yet said anything. So sometimes, just by our mere presence, by the reputation we carry along with us, by the pin you have on your shirt that's a cross, people notice that. So these unspoken words that people start the conversation. Either way, and in any way, we need to be ready to give an answer or to explain, which is the next word. Uh, other translations have uh, expounded or told and whether we use kind of a highfalutin word like expand, expounded or a very simple basic word such as told, the meaning is merely to expose, to, to bring light upon, to have it be known, and hence explained here makes perfect sense. In the higher sense, though, it is to declare, to pronounce, to expose it for all to see. Uh, you think of light shining into darkness. Light exposes the darkness. It pushes away the darkness as the light comes in. Truth pushes out falsehood. So merely speaking, it is uh, giving the details of why you're doing what you're doing. But on that higher level, it is a spiritual truth that comes against evil. Let's not forget that. But insofar as the basic function of giving testimony is to tell what you know, <clears throat> here Peter, for obvious reasons, says, well, let me tell you why I'm doing this. You know, a month ago, no, I didn't go into Gentiles and eat with them, but now I do, and let's talk about why. <clears throat> and that is the substance of his explanation. Uh, he could very rightly think, well, no wonder you don't agree with me. You've understood things as I did in the past. You weren't with me last week on the housetop. You weren't with me in uh, Caesarea and meeting Cornelius. So let me tell you about it. And Lord willing, you will be convinced too. So that's the substance of his explanation. But who does he explain it to? Again, another obvious point. The text says, to them. Peter explained it to them. Important to remember who our audience is, right? Certainly the Lord is listening. Ultimately, uh, he is the one we give account to at the end. But our immediate audience, that person, is the one we are speaking to. They challenged Peter on this point, so he answered them. And not to be pedantic about the grammar and such here, but them is a personal pronoun. Personal pronouns represent people. We're speaking to people. We're not speaking to projects 
We're not speaking to an academic listen, lesson or a to-do list we check off on our calendar for Friday evenings. We are speaking to people, people who one day will give account for their sins, uh, people who one day need to, Lord willing, by grace and mercy, embrace the truth as we have. These are people, not a project needing a solution, but people needing a savior. So people, personal pronoun, them, the very people who asked the question or made the assertion. Fifth detail, the wording there is in order, right? He explained to them in order from the beginning. The idea here is sequence, a logical sequence, a yeah, verbal sequence in terms of how we form our sentences and our ideas in order to be understood. Uh, I don't see this as a, well, the, the logic and the intelligibility is a rule, I would say, as to how we present the gospel in our testimony. But the timeline sequence, which is really what's precisely conveyed in this word, is not required. Uh, at the very least, it's descriptive of Peter's approach here, right? He said, well, let me take you to the events. This happened, and then this, and this, and this, and this. Giving our testimony may not always be the case. Uh, last week, when Bill was uh, sharing his testimony, I believe it was a historical sequence, but if you choose a slightly different storytelling method to withhold some fact until the end and then circle around at the end, uh, that all makes sense, and people will catch that. But here, uh, the phrase, in order, from the beginning, does speak to this historical timeline, which is helpful for people to track with you. You can tell them what you were in the past, how you got there, and the results as God's transforming grace was operative in your life overall in regeneration, or God's transforming grace was operative in a specific instance of you overcoming sin. So that historical progression is what is emphasized by in order from the beginning. And the last word, our sixth and last point here, the word saying, which kind of cuts off uh, the sentence at the end of verse four. Many modern translations do not even have this word in it, and I don't mention that to like be a downer on modern translations. They translate it otherwise. Uh, they don't put this word in because instead they translate the Greek via what we might describe as the comma and the quotation marks. So they see this as just the Greek language's word to introduce the narrative quote of what words were spoken by Peter. But I see that the word saying is important. It emphasizes the fact that Peter was not merely opening his mouth, uh, filling space between quotation marks, right? Our spoken words have meaning. Uh, they have purpose. They should, at least. We're not just filling time when we go out to share with people the gospel and to tell them about God's work in our lives. Peter's words here certainly have meaning and importance. Peter spoke to relate these events in an orderly manner so that they could understand, right? There's a purpose, there's a passion, there's a desire here for people to understand. He's not just talking to entertain himself, to make himself feel good about it, but to have an opportunity to explain and to see people come to understanding. And guess what? People did. Skip down to verse 18. And I had to remind myself about this when I was uh, reading this to study for you. When they heard these things, so this is the they, another personal pronoun, right? These are the people that had come against him saying, why are you doing this? When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Amen. 
let us be encouraged. It happens. <laughs> not always, not every conversation, but it does happen. It happens at very important points like this. It can, ha- can and does happen in our lives. They listened. They were silent. Is it, you know, picture the gears cranking in their mind. And they glorified God as they embraced the truth. God's word and his works recounted from the lips of mere men. Peter's just a mere man. I am, you are, nothing special about us really. It does have positive impact when God's grace is working. So may we be encouraged to explain things to those people that we encounter and let us continue to pray that God would open ears, that they would hear, that they would believe that he would be glorified. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you have explained things to us, as it were, whether by human teachers or by your spirit instructing us that you have brought us to a saving knowledge of you. You have brought us into greater fellowship with you as we overcome sins small and great, as you show yourself powerful in our lives and draw our hearts close to you. We thank you, Lord, for being the great explainer, uh, the great transformer of our minds and wills. Please continue to give us privilege to offer that same explanation to others we would encounter and that you would, by your grace, bring them into the church, bring them into greater degrees of holiness, that we would glorify you together. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.